Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Hey guys, welcome to the boot camp. This is Bob and uh, Jimbo is out this week. We mentioned last week during our boot camp podcast that his sister uh, is facing some surgery with a brain tumor. And so we're going to keep her in prayer. She actually has uh, surgery tomorrow, the day that this podcast will air. So please be uh, in prayer for his sister and their family as they uh, are praying and we're praying together for a good positive outcome. So he sends his regards and uh, he'll catch back up with us soon. But I'm joined today by a friend, a pastor, a fellow taco connoisseur uh, from St. Louis, actually from Baldwin, uh, Missouri, which is a suburb out west. My good friend, pastor of Red Tree Church, Sam Tunnell. Sam, welcome to the boot camp. Thanks for having me, man. It's a it's a joy to be on here. It's cool. So Sam and I connected um, several years ago when his church was considering joining together with another church. But we're going to get to that story in just a minute. But Sam, you tell us how you became the pastor uh, of Red Tree Church there in uh, Baldwin, Manchester area. Yeah. So so I'm a St. Louis native, born and raised. Um, was raised up here, even with my undergrad here, uh, and was doing youth ministry. Um, and to be totally honest, man, I thought I would do, I thought I was a lifer in youth ministry. I love youth group. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, to this day, man, I think middle schoolers are the best human beings. I would, I would hang out with seventh graders over most people. Uh, <laughs> that is know, it weird. Man. <laughs> That's amazing because I left youth ministry because of middle schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I still, I mean, I still hang out with our youth group, uh, but I won't, I won't bore you with the whole story of this, but we were just at a super unhealthy church here in St. Louis that was kind of, kind of circling the drain and, and it blew up in, in some ways where um, most of the staff, except for me, actually all the staff, except me got ran off in like wow. a one month period. And it was the same month I found out my wife was pregnant with our first kid. And it was just, God used it as kind of this wake up call for us to just go, we can't raise a child in a, in a setting like this. This is yeah. so, so damaging and destructive. And so we were praying over, looking over what was next. And, um, you know, this is, you know, like the teens, early teens and, you know, church planning was the cool thing. And there's a lot of support around church planning in St. Louis. And so yeah. we spent time praying over that, met with, um, guys from our local association here in St. Louis met with some NAM guys and said, okay, I think, I think this is what God has for us. You know, I'm, I have deep roots in this community and this could be something that could be really cool. And so uh, I started doing church planning training with the hopes of planning in North County, uh, where my family's originally from. Um, and basically they were like, Hey, you need a place to do residency. Mm-hmm. And so Red Tree Church was um, a church plant in St. Louis uh, and really close to where the church I was serving at at that time. Um, I knew the guys who planned it. We were friends. He'd actually been kind of helping just kind of coach me through, you know, this massive blow up at the church I was on staff at Jeff, the guy who had planted Red Tree. Uh, and so he invited me to come do my residency at Red Tree. Um, so January, 2015, I started on there as an 
unpaid pastoral resident. Uh, Bro, with a pregnant <laughs> wife, even. Yeah, well, yeah. So that's its own story. But man, I quit my job, uh, get, got rid of all my benefits. I was doing working at the working at this church for freedom, my residency, and working three part time jobs while my wife was pregnant, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was uh, looking back was a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but God used that, man. Um, I, I I went through that process. Um, and basically got to the point with Nam where they said, okay, like, you're good. Like, let us know when you're ready to actually launch and we'll do, you know, your, uh, whatever they call it, your final assessment and things like that. And so Red Tree raised me up as a part-time elder. Uh, and I was kind of using that time to build my core group. We were driving out to North County every week and doing prayer walks and getting to know people and things like that. And in the midst of that, Jeff, who was the founding pastor approached me and said, hey, man, I think God's calling my family to go on the mission field in India. We had mm. had some intensive mission work over there and had planted a church, and he felt like God was calling him and his family over there and said, would you consider hitting pause on church planning and taking over for me instead? Uh, and so we prayed over that, and it just, it just felt like it made sense. God mm-hmm. uh, opened a lot of doors for that to work really well. A lot of stuff kind of fell together in ways we couldn't have controlled, and so we said yes to that probably mid- 2017, I took over uh, as, the, as the lead guy at Red Tree. Man, so youth pastor, unpaid planter resident <laughs> to senior pastor. That is not a normal trajectory. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just not, but that's a cool story. And so you start pastoring Red Tree. And so tell us a little bit about just the, the cultural context of where Red Tree was and, and is and just what those early days were like for you. What was that? Yeah. Like? So I stepped into Red Tree kind of at its height. It it it, had, um, it was coming up on its 10-year anniversary when they brought me on. They've been really successful, a lot of growth, a lot of cool kingdom work. Red Tree had planted in the early aughts as one of those, you know, young, restless, reform, cool Acts 29 churches. It was the church in the bar when it first planted because they literally <laughs> met in an old rock and roll bar. Um, you know, one of their first deacons was a guy who uh, woke up after having passed out drunk in the parking lot and was like, I didn't know this bar was open on Sunday mornings and wanted in for the gospel. <laughs> oh so it was kind of that like cool, edgy church. Yeah. And by the time I came along, it was the cool hipster church where everyone wore flannels and drank lots of expensive coffee and things like that. <laughs> um, but Jeff and David, the guys who planted it, you know, were friends of mine, guys I really trusted who, who poured a lot uh, into me. Um, and so when I came along, um, when I was an unpaid resident, uh, it was just, it was probably the height of growth for that church. They were in a cool historical building, had multiple services running, um, just had, a, had planted several churches, had planted one in, in Maplewood, closer to the city from where we're at. And things were just going really well. Um, around the time they brought me on part-time to start building my core group to send me, a bunch of stuff kind of blew up at the church. They had a church plant that they had taken on that failed and failed pretty, pretty dramatically. And a staff guy left and they lost their building. They'd been leasing this cool old historic building and then got priced out of it pretty aggressively and went from being an established church in a cool historic building to being a mobile church meeting in a middle school, which just, which is fine, but also just makes church a lot less cool. 
and, yeah. you, and, you, and you instantly learn what people have been coming because it's cool versus what people have been coming because they're all in on what God's doing there. I think a lot of folks underestimate the challenge of mobile church, right? Yes. A beating and a half. Yes. Yeah. So when I started at Red Tree as the unpaid intern, you know, it's this blowing and going cool hipster church. When I took over as the lead pastor, we were a little, still doing well, but a, a, a lot more of like a struggling mobile church uh, <laughs> packed with, with everything we unpacked up in a trailer um, and setting up and tearing down every week. Uh, and so it was, you know, and I, and I don't say that in any way begrudging the guys that came before me. I, I love Red Tree. It's my favorite church I've ever been sure. on staff at. Um, but it was, you know, it was just, it, it was, it was a difficult time to transition from the planting pastor to the next guy. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was already a hard season. Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you guys are mobile, kind of settling in after some you know some changes and and transitions and stuff. And so then the pandemic hits, right? And yes. You guys are tell me what happened to you in the pandemic. Yeah. So this was it was just wild for us. Um, we're in a part of the county where we have we have a pretty pretty diverse crowd in sort of in terms of like social, political kind of convictions and things like that. And so March of 2020, Missouri goes under a shelter at home order. And, and you know, we do what every other church does. We go home and set up our iPhones and start recording things in living rooms <laughs> yeah. and posting them on YouTube and trying to figure it out. And it, and it was fine. You know, our, we, we were a church where everyone loved each other. And so we were, everyone was freaked out and we were doing what we needed to do to get through it. But what happened was when the shelter at home order ended, and places started meeting again, you know, even with restrictions started meeting again, the school district where we have been renting from just said, hey, we can't do this. Yeah, uh, it's, it's too much insurance liability. We're too worried about it. And so um, we found out right around the time that our community started opening back up that we were homeless and homeless indefinitely. Wow. And no end date on that. And so we spent the summer of 2020 uh, meeting in park pavilions um, but even like parks were nervous about letting to renting the groups and things like that. No one would let me rent more than one week in a row. Wow. And so I was literally week to week reaching out to four or five different parks, renting pavilions. We would send out these last minute emails and text blasts like Wednesday of that week going, here's where we're meeting this Sunday, you know, and it turned into, <laughs> you can be a part of Red Tree if you can find it. If you yes. can figure out where we are, you can worship with us this week. It's like scavenger hunt worship, man. <laughs> it's like, so kind of back to middle school, youth pastor days, right? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was, I can laugh about this now. This was probably the most stressful time I ever had. Oh in my gosh. Uh, and, and it just, again, it was this further press of, it, it, be, it instantly became not only not cool to be a part of Red Tree, but it became a pain. Yeah. And, it, and it really created this space of, am I part of this church? Because God's calling me to this because this is my family. Uh, and, and it created an easy exit ramp for people mm. who just, who weren't in on, on what was happening in our church mm. family. And so we're just seeing, you know, a lot of struggling, a lot of shrinking um, during this period. I reached out kind of this blanket text to most of the churches around me going, Hey, we need something more secure. Can we, can we rent your facility? I don't care if it's Saturday night or Sunday night. I don't care if it's a youth or you know, we need something. And I don't, I don't say I'm not begrudging anyone around me at this time because it was scary, but everyone was, everyone was too freaked out. Everyone was yeah. too worried about what that meant for their insurance and all these things. And so no one, uh, we didn't know what we were going to do until eventually uh, this church that we ended up merging with West County Bible church, 
I had gotten to know their pastor over the course of the previous year. Um, and initially they had said they couldn't host us because their space was too small and their schedule was too packed out. Mm-hmm. But when he found out the situation we were in and that no one was opening their doors, he said, Hey man, we'll, we'll make something work. Wow. Uh, and, and we'll make something work turned into you guys have like a 90 minute slot in between when Hispanic church rents the building and leaves and in between when an NA group comes in to rent the building. Uh, and so we had this, like, we had 4 PM to 5 30 PM and we could get in there about, about 3 45 was like the earliest we could get in there, man. And so we would <laughs> sprint in the building and set everything up as fast as we could and have church and then tear it down and leave as fast as we could. <laughs> which was just, you know what? It was a lot better than meeting in park pavilions. <laughs> yeah, but killer for a community. Cause I mean, the sense of one of the great things about a church in, in um, its connection is the hangout time after the service, right? Yeah, and yeah. So that's gone when you're in that situation. So you guys are meeting there for a while and then somehow the conversation about, man, maybe we should join forces. Maybe we should become one church. How did that unfold? Yeah. So, so Jim and I, the pastor at West County Bible Church, we had built a friendship before COVID over the course of 2019. We got introduced through several mutual avenues and he had at one point, probably at the end of 2019 said, Hey man, would you ever think about merging with another church or specifically ours? And and I, to be totally honest, man, when he first said it, I was just kind of like, you know, I would definitely pray about that. I just, it probably doesn't make any sense for us. And the reason was just because their church was great, but culturally West County and and Red Tree were just, were just really different. And at the end of 2019, our big thing was where, Hey, we're saving money to buy a building right now. And I don't, or, or, you know, at least rent something better than a school. And it it just didn't, it it felt like a back burner thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But you fast forward to fall of 2020 uh, when probably Red Tree is close to half the size it was a year prior Mm-hmm. meeting at 4 p.m. in their building. Uh, and they reapproached us and said, hey, would you have this conversation? And it just, at that point, we go, you know what? Like, we need to make this a front burner thing. We need to pray through this and think through it. Because we're thinking through what next steps are anyway. And so yeah. we started getting together. They had a leadership team that consisted of their two elders and they're all their deacons. And we had just our elder team. And we started getting together once or twice a month just to kind of pray and discuss or probably once a month, and then me and Jim would probably get together an extra time and just pray and discuss and kind of initially really just kind of dreaming through, does this make any sense? But both times it was them kind of, kind of pushing the conversation to us, uh, which is, I know I'm probably getting ahead of what you're asking, but I think is a huge part of why this, why this happened. It has to do with West County Bible church as the older church being the ones who were healthy enough to, to have some self-awareness and drive the conversation. Uh, Cause Red Tree wasn't looking to merge. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so huge. Cause, and, and what we see across North America, particularly with NAM and the SIN network, we've got a lot of healthy church plants that may have find, may find themselves currently in the same situation that you did. Right. I was in California a couple weeks ago, same kind of scenario. You've got some church plants that are trying to figure out where to meet and you've got some, existing long-term churches that are struggling to figure out how they can continue to meet. And so yeah. the the humility that you mentioned there on the part of those existing established churches to say, 
hey, we realize we've got to do something. Maybe it means a partnership of some sort with another church to help us become, uh, you know, uh, a viable opportunity uh, for gospel proclamation here in the community. So, so they start having that conversation. You guys, your elder teams are meeting a little bit. You and the lead pastor are meeting a little bit. Was there a, a process that you guys went through? Was it relational and a little bit strategic? I mean, what, what are some of the steps that began to say, okay, we're having this conversation and now we're going to, we're going to take some official kinds of steps together. Yeah. So we'll, once it got real like that, right, once we started meeting, I think the first thing I did was called you and freaked out over the phone. Uh, <laughs> um, but you you really outlined some good process for us and really pointed us to several good resources. Um, and the one that ended up, I mean, every book you sent me, and I could, it was probably the ones you've mentioned a billion times in this podcast, was all helpful. But the one that clicked that worked with our team was we read the new edition of Better Together. Is that Tomlin and Bird? Yeah, Tomlin and Bird. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was written some, I mean, it had COVID in mind in the new edition. So it had to be like written. I mean, that edition had to come out within months of us using it. It had to be very fresh. Yeah. Uh, But it, it, it just clicked. And so we used a lot of the processes in that um, to kind of set up our timeline of things. Um, But the, the big thing was initially before anyone knew about it besides leaders is we had a lot of questions about just practicality. So we, you know, got out our doctrinal statements. Uh, that was literally the first thing we did was, is, is kind of sit down and go theologically or do our convictions align enough for this to make sense? Because Red Tree is an SBC church and West County Bible church was um, just an autonomous Bible church. They didn't have any denominational or, or connection affiliate besides friendship with another church yep. in the city. Um, and that almost hundred percent alignment, it was, it was very evident that there was a lot of doctrinal alignment. Uh, and then we started to get into strategy, kind of the history of the churches and, and what they saw their mission in the community and got into the finances of would this even work? Would one of us bankrupt the, those, those, those kind of things. And in those three practical questions of, you know, can we work together in good conscience of our convictions? Do we have similar strategies and or our you know idea of mission and then would this even work financially that set the stage for us to really in earnest start to work through some of those processes and you know fill out the packets of your you know lining up your church's history side by side and you know having you know the town hall meetings and all those things that you do in that kind of process so that's really good because those questions really are can we get married right yeah absolutely do we have do we have the same convictions and values and beliefs that would give us the green light to go to the next stage, which you mentioned in terms of like ministry philosophy, worship sets, kids, philosophy, kids, ministry, philosophy, elders, deacons, governance, all those sorts of things. That's the administrative side in some regards. So you've really got to have that relational green light before you, work on that administrative green light. But since sometimes, man, those administrative things become a red light too, and they become yeah. a checkout point. So, so you mentioned, um, you know, you were SBC church, um, you have SBC history and background, Southern Baptist convention background. They're a, a Bible church, non-denom. And um, about that time, we had some crazy things going on in our convention. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. And so you were having, and just like we do now, I mean, hello, welcome to, to this season of ministry. 
that you are having to, and this is a question we get a lot, can an SBC church and a non-SBC church merge, and can you still have some sort of commitment to the SBC? Give us some insight to how you guys navigated that. Yeah, so the easy thing was, you know, because the SBC respects the autonomy of the local church, Mm -hmm. and because our two local autonomous churches were very doctrinally aligned, it wasn't a difficult question. It really was just a culture feel type thing. It was something that was worked into a lot of the identity of the West County Bible Church folk was, I'm a part of a non-denom church, and I just don't like the idea of being a part of a Baptist church. Yeah. And so when I sat down, I was like, well, I mean, let's, you know, let's look at the faith and message. Do you disagree with anything in the faith and message? Well, no. And I go, okay, well, let's look at, you know, let's look at what would actually practically change for us. The only thing that would change for your church is that you would be giving money to the cooperative program and a part of these, you know, supporting these organizations like the IMB and NAM and the seminaries. And I basically was like, are you opposed to supporting any of these? Organizations? Well, no, they sound great. You know, and so it was one of those things where it worked. It was something they were very passionate about. It was a big concern. But as soon as we got into the town halls and started talking about it, it just resolved itself pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, because we were doing some dialogue before uh, that we, we did the recording today, you mentioned that there were some some barriers that you guys hit and, you know, you'd hit a stopping place or a barrier. And then what happened just to describe that, like what, what happened when, when those kinds of things happened and occurred? See, this is, I think the coolest part of the story is if you looked at both our churches from the outside, looking in before this merge, they couldn't, they couldn't have looked much more different from the outside looking in, you know, the, uh, when we did the side-by-side church profile thing, one of the things you do is the average age of your church minus kids, right? The average age of our church minus children was like 35 years difference for the average age. It was like 34, something like that for Red Tree and 60s mm-hmm. for this church. And, you know, that carries with it all these cultural differences, all these musical differences, all these things. So it looked very different. But because we were had done the work ahead of time to know, like convictionally, we're really aligned, like we're really passionate about our understanding of scripture, our understanding of mission, all, all these different things. It let us, it let us walk into the differences, I think, with some clear eyes to know we're already aligned on the stuff that matters. And so as stuff comes up, that's big points of confrontation, like we already have the grounding to know this is not a doctrinal convictional issue. This is a cultural convictional issue. And so we ran into, I think, what is probably a lot of the really normative stuff that this kind of thing happens Denomination was a big one. Music was a huge deal Mm -hmm. um, and probably not in the way most people think um, because uh, West County Bible Church was planted, you know, in in like, I want to say 1987 or 88, but they were planted as the cool, hip, rebellious church that had cool music just (laughs) in 1987, you know, and, and, and their team, their worship leader was a volunteer guy and their team that led had been consistently leading worship every Sunday for like 25, 30 years. Oh my gosh. Um, and we're and are brilliant, brilliant musicians. Music is a deep part of the culture at West County. The catch to it was they were, for the most part, doing late 80s, early 90s, Maranthana music. Yeah, Hosanna Integrity, that all that yes, stuff. Yes, all, yeah. all of that stuff. And so, you know, there was no like arguing over like, the hymnal and the choir robes and things like that. They actually literally at one point said, you guys do too many hymns. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's I, I know I'm spending too much time on, on that thing, but there were several things like this where it was purely just a cultural difference. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was just a big deal. We were looking at it going, this could blow the whole thing up. Yeah. If we, if we don't figure out a thing for this. And so each time we just said, it, it was similar to our entire process for the whole thing, but we would just drench it in prayer and basically say, Lord, like, you haven't given us a no on this. You, you, everything we've dug into that matters, doctrine, conviction, those things, it seems like you're saying yes, but we're worried this thing will blow it up. And so we just ask that you'd intervene. We ask that you'd make a way for us that we wouldn't have to scheme to make this thing work, but that you would make it work. I could literally name five or six things like that with finances, with culture, with denomination, where yeah. I thought it was going to blow up. We drenched it in prayer and God went ahead of us and just... We didn't have to scheme. We didn't have to do anything to make it work. It just, um, yeah, that's so big. Um, one of the last questions I um, asked you to think about was if there are churches out there that are considering taking these steps to join together from your experience, um, your wisdom from doing it, going through the trenches and, and experiencing some of these hard knocks, what are the things that you would offer them in terms of counsel? Man, if you could do these things, this will really help you. What would you say? Yeah. So I'll speak to two sides of this. I'll speak to the younger, closer to a church plant church, like the red tree side of the equation. Yeah. And then I'll speak to the West County. The big thing I come back to is, so Emmanuel Fellowship Church, that's the name of our church. We, we kind of relaunched as a new church rather than red tree absorbing West County. It seemed over the, the, with the year we'd had with COVID, it seemed more appropriate to say we were planting a new church together versus one absorbing the other. Um, I love Emmanuel. But Emmanuel wouldn't exist if it weren't for the humility, the prayerfulness, and the godliness of the people of West County, West mm -hmm. County Bible Church, the established church. And what I love about it, what I love about our story is, and they had the attendance and they had the finances that they had probably a good solid 10, 15 years in front of them before they hit critical life support. They were meeting their budget. They had 30 to 40 people showing up every Sunday. They had, their building was in good, you know, that all these things where it was like, they, they weren't even close to life support. They just had enough self-awareness as a church to look around them and go, all our kids grew up and moved out and went away. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole bunch of senior citizens and one young or two young families and a whole bunch of senior citizens. And they had enough humility and self-awareness with that to go, we want to do something now. We want to make a change now while we still have, while we still have, you know, gas in the tank to be able to make an effective change. And it took so much humility for them to be willing to give up a lot of cultural pieces and, you mm -hmm. know, the music thing and things like that. When they, when, when they really could sit back and go, we don't have to do this. We have other options. We could keep going, you know, just as we normally have and be fine for probably another decade, yeah. but they weren't content with fine established churches need to be thinking about future steps and dramatic revision and this kind of partnership before things are so bad that you don't have any other option. On the red tree side for the younger church, I think the biggest thing was you know, we, we have, our, our younger church has gained so much and learned so much from the established culture, traditions, and faith of West County. It's so easy when you have the young, cool, hip church with a bajillion kids and kids ministry and cool rock and roll worship to just think you've got it figured out and think that, you know, we've got the right way. And so you need to just be quiet and do it our way because our way is strategic or whatever. Um, 
But I love that Emmanuel doesn't look 100% like Red Tree. Emmanuel is its own church. And a lot of that has to do with this beautiful legacy of faith that West County brought with them. And, and us having enough humility to hear and learn and realize that, you know, we haven't magically solved church and made the perfect church. That's beautiful, man. And I think it's a picture of uh, people who are seeking the Lord for their future with humility and being open to whatever he leads. And so, man, the story of West County Bible and Red Tree becoming Emmanuel Fellowship is just an awesome, awesome story. Sam, thanks so much for joining us here on the boot camp and sharing your story with all of our boot camp listeners. And so we want to say to you guys who are listening, thank you for being a boot camper. And uh, we want to remind you, we have the replant summit coming up. It's going to be a great time of encouragement, refreshment, watch the show notes for the link to register to that. Also Jimbo will give us some updates on his family. And then we'll mention some of the resources that Sam uh, talked about in their merger story. So thanks for being a part of the boot camp. If you got some questions or you want to leave your own story, hit us up on the email or the voicemail, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.